Have you ever wondered what it takes to build a successful business in the Australian property industry? Well, you've come to the right place. Welcome to Business and Property Development, a monthly podcast in which industry leaders share their insights and experience with host Harry Karadimus. Hello and welcome to the show. This is the second part of my conversation with Tyrone Shum. In this part, we delve into how Tyrone's podcast, Property Investory, pivoted and became a platform for launching his development funding business. I hope you enjoy it. I'd like to move on to Property Investory as a business. You've got a lot of traction now. There's some doors that get open. You, you get endorsed. What has the podcast become as a result of the success that you've had with your guests and and the stories that you tell? When we were talking about the podcast itself, it was initially an idea and it, it, it turned to a vision to see how it can actually inspire people first. Ultimately, people can start things up like a podcast and, and just do it and go through the motions. But if you don't have a vision backing behind it and you don't have a mission about why you're doing it, you'll never push through to do it because then you'll just find it's too hard. So our vision for the podcast has always been to inspire me and people and to be able to actually inspire them to uh, access fantastic opportunities through our network of property investments and also developers and partners and so forth. That drives me you know, every day because I know that is a very, very important and powerful mission, not only for me, but also for my team because all my team knows about that. And by having that mission strive, it opened up the different opportunities and now the podcast is more of a community building, I guess you say also marketing type of tool that we use. As much as I still love interviewing people because I love building up connections, meeting new people, bringing them on the podcast and sharing their stories, that for me is very inspirational. And if I can just help anyone in the podcast space with regards to property investment and so forth and inspire them to get into their, their property journey, I think I've done my job in that side. That part, I continue to go on in terms of how it's evolved, initially when we first started, yes, we were looking at sponsorship opportunities where we could get a permanent sponsor to generate income for the business, but also to, to do affiliate marketing and also to market other businesses. Because we'll try and we went down the path just to try out and I'm happy to, to, to trans, be very transparent to, to share this is we were trying to put together a community, like a, a directory of contacts for property developers, property investors, buyers, agents, all sorts of contacts that you may need because there's no Rolodex available on market and every time you go and look for people's services, you'd be looking around to find out what people do. Most people go off word of mouth and recommendation, but there's no sort of key trusted resource. And I guess I was trying to create, let's see, maybe like a Yelp, I guess you can say, of property investments. Network, you can say, for for people to access services and and businesses and so forth like that. Yeah, we tried that for a little bit. It took off a little bit, but the thing is, we just didn't get enough traction. And the whole model behind it was to actually have businesses pay for advertising their businesses on the network. Um, As you know, (laughs) due to COVID, that kind of just completely blew out of the water because as soon as that came, because we started getting revenue, all the business pulled down and said they had to cut down the marketing expenses. So that business model unfortunately failed during that time and it wasn't a sustainable model for us. So we let that go and then obviously other options came. This is the interesting thing is that during times like tough times that we had through the pandemic, you've got to learn to pivot. Mm. And if you don't, you really, really fall fat in your face and that's what could have happened. But luckily I made a lot of changes, understood with all the businesses that they couldn't afford the marketing campaign. So we had to look at other opportunities. And interesting thing enough was um, a year before COVID hit back in 2019, 
I was introduced by my coach to a property developer renovator who was actually just looking for a money partner to get involved in a one into two lot subdivision. And this was up in Queensland. And my coach said to me, look, you'd be fantastic because you have a lot of contacts through your podcast, through your network. You know, you'd be able to bring this money partner in. You guys could work out a joint venture to share the profits and, and this developer could potentially, you know, help you guys put together the deal and do it all together. So we, we came together, structured a deal and I was basically a money partner. He was the one doing all the work and we agreed on how much we'd split and at the end of it, we should make some money. After about 12 months, this is the interesting part about with it. We, we started in April, 2019, April, 2020, we we're ready to go to market. We had finished the renovation, beautiful house, looked great. I flew up and had a look at it. The back lot was approved by council to be sold off, title and everything. And we put it on the market and it, it got a lot of traction initially, but as soon as COVID hit, which is April, 2020, the market went silent. So unfortunately, that particular deal just, yeah, fell through. Not in terms of the investor. The investor got his money back without a problem, as we promised, and we said we'd pay him. But that property sat on the market for 12 months until we sold it. And the developer and myself didn't make any money on that one. So that was a huge learning lesson. And I, I realized, man, if I went into a joint venture again, I'd structure it slightly differently and look at it from a different point. And luckily, that wasn't my only deal that I was involved in back in 2019. My coach also recommended me another developer that was in Victoria. And he had a lot subdivision of one into four unfortunate thing that happened one of his um relatives or his, his actually sister i think sister-in-law passed away so suddenly and she was involved in that whole development process and he just didn't feel right to keep her money so he said look you know i'll return the money to the deceased he would have to go and raise money so that's where i came into the picture he reached out and said look you know would you be interested in investing in a deal and i said yeah it looks fantastic you know stacks all up and I'll, I'll put my money in there and i'll get a fixed return at the end i didn't do any joint venture agreement i didn't have to be involved in the process i didn't have to do any work i just put my money in there that was at the end of 2019 roughly about december same time april 2020 he reached out to me and he said tyrant um I got some interesting news for you. We've got a developer who'd be interested in actually refinancing you guys out. Would you be interested in, in getting paid out now earlier than the 12 months that we promised you at the same rate? I said, yeah, of course I would be, you know, something's happening. I don't know what, it's uncertainty. I would love to get my money back. So within about a month or so, he paid us out and I got my money back with a great return. And I was like, wow, that was easy. I didn't have to do any work. I didn't have to be involved and have headaches of having to chase down and sell properties. I just got paid out, you know, my return. And, and that's where it started. And this is where things pivoted for property investors. That, okay, wow, if I could find more of these deals, which I did, I could do more of these deals and actually make a, a reasonable income for the business and, and be quite passive as well too. I wish I had a lot more money back then, but I didn't. So I, I was limited to my capacity. And, and that's when I reached out to the community and said, look, I've got these fantastic deals that kept coming in. Would you like to take a look at them? Organically, that's when people start reaching and say, look, you know, I'm interested in doing this. I like what you're doing. And there's a lot of trust in the community already because whatever I built up those relationships through the podcast, through all the networks that I had built up, we did a lot of due diligence. They could trust what we had done. And a lot of these deals basically organically grew. And, you know, in a very short space of time, about a couple of years, we've turned over 25 mil of, of these type of deals. Yeah, helped a lot of successful investors get their money back. So Property Investory pivoted from, oh, it still produces yeah. content, but it also becomes a platform for development projects. Exactly. Yeah, like, well, it's probably actually a good time to get into, the, that's obviously the foray into the development sphere. So yeah. we'll keep that one going. So off the back of these, these kinds of deals, well, what has the development side of things evolved? into our key main criteria when we went into a lot of these deals was we we're just trying to help a lot of these developers who needed a little bit of extra funding so a lot of the times they come to us because they're able to 
get you know a limited amount of funding from the banks like large tier banks or first tier private funding that process comes up okay but the thing is it takes them a long time sometimes it can take anywhere between three to six months and that can delay the project because every month you delay the project it's costing them money because the holding costs are so high we were able to find funding directly from private investors to be able to help assist this process not necessarily from the first tier, but from the second tier where we can actually help them with just a short term. Hence the reason why these loans, all these type of opportunities that we've been providing is only six months, maximum 12 months. And that helps them to actually get through from, say, for example, development approval stage to the construction phase. And that's pretty much the key space that we've been working in. Call it like a bridging loan. So what we've done is we've taken private investors, equity or cash, get them a fantastic return, anywhere between 20 and 30% per annum. And then linked it up together or I guess facilitate the actual details behind it to help these developers get funding so that they can proceed because the sooner they can get the project completed, the sooner they can get their profits back. They're more than happy to pay these great rates because the fact is, is they're saving three, four, you know, five months sometimes instead of actually having to wait because yeah. those same exact holding costs is eating into their profits when they could be, you know, getting on with the project with some extra funding. So that's where our key space is. What we typically look at doing is usually land subdivisions, house and land packages. We've done some commercial office spaces as well. But anything that has a potential for uplift, that's what we would be looking at helping in funding. We try to, I guess, stay away from any unit apartments, all those kind of things, because that's not our bread and butter. And obviously there's this risk in those. But majority of our work that we get or the type of deals that we, we bring across our investors is usually in that space where we find that there's some kind of land component. There's a lot of equity in it. There's a lot of uplift in value, giving us that kind of certainty and that security. So is it more, would it be a landowner that wants to be a developer or would it be a developer that owns? Sorry to say this, but a lot of developers that come to us who are not experienced have not really done any um, kind of developments we usually don't offer them opportunity to be able to work with us just because the fact is there's too much of a risk we work with really reputable independent um, developers who that's the reason why the lenders are happy with that because they've got the track record and experience so out of curiosity how do you manage i mean you take on a bit of risk yourself in that mm. you've got to make sure that you keep your your funders equity in good nick so there's a bit of due diligence on both sides of the yes. both sides of the equation isn't it and I, and I will state i mean for anyone listening i'm not a financial advisor i'm not anything that can provide any financial advice here all these investors will have to get their own independent advice legal and financial advice all we do is facilitate this transaction and basically we provide them all the information and at the end of the day they basically go out and, and speak with their trusted advisors to see if it suits them typically we deal with mostly wholesale and sophisticated investors who actually come in on board to do these type of opportunities with us and at that point in time you know most of them have already invested in numerous properties because a lot of them have their own investment portfolios so they understand the risks and also the type of um, deals that we go into and they've had some form of development experience as well too. So it's on both sides. You can steer clear of having to advise people because you say, look, this is the deal. You figure out if you want to be part of it, it's here, but you've got to make sure that you're comfortable with it in your own in your own skin. That's exactly right. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't advise anything because I don't have that qualification yeah. and I can't anyway. So, and I'm more than happy to just say, look, you know, at the end of the day, here's all the information. We, we get everything that we need. We do all our due diligence just to make sure we cover everything for the actual um, facilitation of the loans. But at the end of the day, it is up to them to make that decision. What areas do you, do you guys focus in? All over Australia. Uh, the only states we haven't gone into is Northern Territory and Tasmania because we haven't really seen huge demand in those kind of areas. Typically, you know, at the moment, we're seeing a lot up in Queensland, Western Australia. We've had a very good run in South Australia and also in New South Wales and Victoria the last few years. In terms of the pivot... 
did you have any goals for what that was going to become or was that just just an opportunity that grew organically and you, you just kind of thought, oh, okay this is this has got some legs let's uh, let's just keep running with it as you probably heard my story along the way now a lot of the times it comes in of interest it's just wherever i'm passionate about i will seek out to find an opportunity there and, and once again what happened was the reason why i was looking out for these opportunities was because i had some idle cash sitting there and I got frustrated because I went back to the bank multiple times. And I'm sure a lot of listeners out there have probably done the same. And sometimes it can take anywhere up to about three months to get a bank approval for a loan or decline. For me, it was a decline. You know, after three months of putting all the paperwork in, back and forth with the brokers, it was frustrating. And I went, stuff this, I'm going somewhere else. I'm going to put my cash somewhere because I was ready to buy another property. But I couldn't because the banks wouldn't lend to me because of my serviceability. So I thought, all right, if I can find an opportunity to put my idle cash into something else, returning a pretty good return that's secured, then I'd, I'd be going, okay, great. I'd rather do that instead rather than buy another property because ultimately the, the philosophy behind buying and holding property, you'd have to buy a lot to be able to get a reasonable cash flow. And as you know, within Australia, particularly around Sydney and, and Melbourne, the rental yields are very low, sometimes 1%, 2% at max. On that kind of return, you might be putting about a million dollars worth of capital into you know, buy a property. You won't get that kind of cash flow until you possibly sell it down or actually reduce the debt. Whereas you can put maybe a couple hundred thousand in a deal getting between 20% return. You do the numbers on that, it's, it's not bad. On a short-term basis as well. Yeah, short-term yeah. basis yeah. as well. So you're, you're turning over the cash and in a short space of time, you know, I've, I've been very fortunate that I've been able to put at least a meal across these deals and generate a nice substantial income. So. So with the knowledge that you've built up over time, a lot of what you do seems, a lot of what you've learned seems to be through doing and figuring out. It sounds like you've also had some key mentors that have helped you and guided you through. So Steve McKnight being one, can you talk a bit more about some of the people that have helped you through and to guide you through these big themes? I guess one of the guys on the podcast who I had on a while back, he was, I guess, instrumental to my pivot into property development because when I actually got him onto the, the podcast, I was like, well, this looks interesting. You know, he has some really interesting marketing on his uh, property development side of things. And I thought, okay, it'll be an interesting story. And when I got to know him, he's such a down-to-earth person. And he started sharing with me about how he got into property. And just like me, he was running multiple businesses and he was also struggling to get money. Like he just did not have any money in his bank. He said he'd be down to you know a few hundred dollars each week because it'd be all spent on the business. And the only way he could get out of that is to actually consider doing some kind of development to make a, a chunky profit from that. He started originally in Sydney. And when he started telling me about the story, I started resonating with him because the thing is, is whenever you need to get money, especially from a bank, you need to be able to show that you can service it, you can pay it back. But when you go into property development, you don't necessarily need to have all those components yourself. You look at it around the successful property developers, they all rely on a team, very, very good experts. Yeah. Even your situation, yeah. they rely on architects to be able to come up with amazing designs and get approvals from council and so forth. That taught me a huge lesson because then it turned my thinking upside down, thinking, wow, how can I actually tap into resources? If I don't have the money, who can I ask? Who can help me find the deals? Who can actually help me structure it and, and give me that? And I just act basically like a facilitator, which is basically what a developer does. He doesn't go on site and lay a brick. He doesn't go on site and, and start measuring everything out like a confancer does. He doesn't draw the plans. He doesn't do any of that, but he basically helps and guides the process and collaborates with his team to get that ultimate goal, which is the vision to develop whatever he's got in mind. And that, that's what he did. He literally said, look, you know, I'll find money, which is what he was able to get trusted partners, found a development site, 
And then that first journey, you know, made a couple hundred thousand. It was much more than what he was earning in a year. So that inspired me. And and he started introducing me to his courses, which he was also teaching. He wanted other people to learn. And then introduced me to the coaches. The whole journey rolled on from there. And that's how I got into more learning about property development. And since then, it just kind of stumbled across where I kind of fumbled into the financial side of the development side instead of actually doing the developments. I mean, I've had, had both goes at it. Obviously, the first go didn't go so well. And the financial space is going really well. So, But the beautiful thing is I get to see everything. You know, I don't have to take the risk of actually having a development and doing it. I can actually see what's going on. That was the first mentor. We still kept in contact. I've gone and reached out to a few other property development mentors. I've got my own coach who she's always been referring me to, to opportunities. And she helps me with my mindset because one of the biggest limiting beliefs I had back then was I, I don't have the money. How am I going to do it? Wow, you know, that is short-sighted thinking because I'm thinking you know i'm going to try and do it and there's no way i know i could do it because some of these deals that we look at need at least a million or two million dollars worth of financials even some of them you know go up to 10 mil there's no way i'd be funding that because ultimately at the end of the day what you want to do is to be able to set up things structure it in a way that's going to be beneficial for anything what i learned from that is that if the deal is so good money will come which is proven like at first you go man it's so hard because i'm not sure and when i first started funding these i was like fearful that i wouldn't get the money but once i realized how these deals structured and how they worked money just kept coming and literally you're getting throwing money at, at us all the time so it changed my mindset and i think that develops over time the other thing i'd like to explore with you is how you manage your time between the very your various components of your life going back to being organized and key base concepts what else do you do to create and manage time between family property development property investory as in the, the podcast you know you do some volunteer work i understand as well so uh, not as much as i used to but yes it's a juggle i gotta admit i mean i'm not perfect and i'm not going to say that I, I have a lot of time that i can dedicate to a lot of things i'm very fortunate because i've got a fantastic team around me and i rely very much on them going through this process right now to go okay who can i actually delegate most of my things and give them the responsibility because I guess growing up, I've done a lot of how, like even when I was running the video business, I was the technical guy. I knew how to set up. I knew where to buy the cameras. I know exactly, you know, what's good for that kind of look. But then you go, okay, look, if you take yourself out of the picture, who would replace you to do that? I guess ultimately for me, I'm trying to structure my business so that I can have my team manage a lot of these. And I rely very heavily on my team to do all of it. And hence the reason why I'm able to do so much because it's not all relying on me. Who do you have to help you out? Who, who is your team? I've got five full-time staff with me. So I've got video editors, audio editors. I've got two assistants and they mostly help out with the lending and the borrowing side. So one's an account manager and one's a fund assistant fund manager. I've got my copywriter, video graphics editor yeah so like you can see a mixture of the content side of the business is important because that's how we keep the podcast going and for us we need to continue that and that's the reason why there's a very important aspect of writing good content because we send out regular emails on a weekly basis to our clients and also to our database and you just got to keep in communication with them and in order to do that uh, someone's got to write that content like i've got the vision on what i want to say but i don't have time to sit down and articulate and write it well Hence the reason why I've got a team that helps me with that side of things. Someone's got to edit the podcast. But to manage clientele and all that, yeah, that's that's all my team as well. But to come back to answer your question, um, I think for me, I've learned that you've just got to structure your day and put the big rocks in place first. I guess you've just got to block those times out. And if you don't put that time out, you'll never get things done. So I prioritize, you know, what things I do. 
and then obviously you got to block them out because if you don't like for example spending family time with family spending time doing you know the, the exercise doing all the different things that you want to do if you don't block it out you'll never get around yeah. to it so just out of curiosity though you've delegated a lot of these things to enable you to claw back a lot of that time but what do you prefer spending your time on like what's, <laughs> what's most important to you now now that you've got you know the development business you've got yeah. a podcast as well what are your key sort of things that you'd like to occupy your day with i've always had that love of video creativity side naturally i more of a systems technical type of person i love jumping into those kind of things lately i've been wanting to sort of have that creative outlet back again and when i was doing video i really enjoyed that aspect because i could actually create things like i've always had a passion for photography other things I really love is I love sports you know if I can go snowboarding they'll be great again but I haven't been for a number of years because of kids so maybe you know next couple of years when they're a little bit older I can take them along travel is something I love to do more of there's a lot of passion hobby things and now that the business is running well I think I'm going to start blocking those things in and doing that and spending time as well too with family you know that's one thing as well that's important if if I didn't have the business and I didn't have to do all those things those were the be my passion projects I do but in terms of the things I focus on and I love doing within the business because I still you know want to be involved and I love doing those things you know doing interviews like this you know catching up with guests but also you know I like still crunching numbers on the deals because it just excites me and I, I get to see all the interesting things that happen in the market like keeping a pulse on what's going on so it gives you the headspace to actually be a little more quiet think about what to do next exactly yeah. I mean I don't have plans to, to start another business at this point in time I'm, I'm happy the way things are I think it's just more about streamlining systemizing and supporting my team and helping them grow in terms of your journey with through property investory what would you say have been the key things that it has allowed you to achieve personally and professionally that's a really good question so far i think it's the flexibility in time because the thing is is if i was locked into an office i'd have to go to work at nine to five i'm i'm lucky that i'm not in that space anymore i, I can actually control my schedule i can manage a lot of things and, and be able to take my kids to school you know that's that's amazing I guess just to have that mind to be able to think in that freedom to not have to stress over, okay, how we're going to be able to yeah, get the next paycheck or whatever it is to be able to go, okay, look, stability of income coming in from the investments. We've got stability of income from the business. And that allows me to go, okay, what can I do next? Whether I'd spend something that I'm really passionate about is more into sustainability and green technology, which I'm looking into at this point in time. And that may be my next passion project is I want to give back somehow and help you know the planet or help the environment in some sense. One final question. So looking back of your journey and maybe some of the hardships that you've faced and you've overcome, what would you say has been the critical point that's carried you to where you are today? I believe that it is hard work, but at the same time, hard work doesn't pay off being working smart as well because I remember when I ran my first business I worked extremely hard and you know I made sure I delivered things on time I met customers expectations I handled customer support well I was just on on the go all the time and I realized I didn't have much time even though the business was successful I wasn't earning as much as I you know am now and it's a different type of business as well you know you had stock and infantry and so forth looking back at it if i actually had worked smart and thought about how could i actually find the people like who could do this kind of work i think i would have been able to free up my mind to be able to look at the different options because i was doing everything myself whereas now i'm always looking at who can actually help me with doing whatever i need to do at the end of the day that's just working smarter and if you can find the people to help you to do that relying on their expertise 
I think you'd go a lot further than that. And that's, that's my thing that I've just realized over the time that I've been running businesses is about how to leverage your time so that way you can do a lot more, especially the thinking of it and, and looking at opportunities. Because since I offloaded a specific project, which was just only actually a couple of weeks ago, oh, sorry, a couple of months ago, mm. my, my brain has just opened up and go, wow, you know, I'm a lot more relaxed. My ideas are starting to flow. And I'm starting to go, okay, what are the next opportunities I'm looking at and how can I actually leverage to be able to help the business grow without too much of my involvement? And if the business can do that without me doing it, that's fantastic and that's what you ultimately want. So your, yeah, your strategy is to actively almost remove yourself from the process, get better people, or get not better people, but people that might perhaps do a, a, a better job of it and to free you up for focus. But if you hire the right people, they are going to be ultimately responsible and accountable and the best people for that. That's the reason why you hire them. I was being a bottleneck a lot of times because they're waiting for my approval for things. So ultimately, you guys are actually better at this than I am. Make the decision and then you know come back to me that fails. That's okay. We'll, we'll fix it up. <laughs> you know, what's the worst could happen? <laughs> <laughs> Tara, thank you so much for, for being with me today. Uh, it's been incredibly insightful and um, I, I really appreciate your experiences and your thoughts. So thank you. Thanks so much, Harry, for having me. It's been a pleasure to be on. This is the end of the episode. I hope you've enjoyed listening in as much as I've enjoyed putting this episode together. What I loved most about interviewing Tyrone was learning about his journey in business and entrepreneurship. This episode is full of moments and insights that are valuable to anybody starting a venture. For me, the lessons that stand out time and time again are firstly, having a go and making a start. Nothing happens if you don't make it so. The second is to be conscious that once you're off and running, that you yourself are often the roadblock to growth. There are only 24 hours in a day and building a business entails finding the right people and delegating so that you can focus on the things that you're best at or matter to you most. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a few seconds to rate this podcast on your favorite listening platform. Your support means a lot to me and in turn helps this show find new listeners. I'd also like to extend my thanks to my guest Tyrone for a fantastic recording experience. Well, that's it from me for this month. I'd like to thank you again for listening in And I look forward to sharing the next month's episode with you very shortly. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to Business and Property Development. Join us next month for more insights from people whose business is property. To subscribe and listen to other episodes, head over to businessandpropertydevelopment.com.au.